Welcome to Life Happens, where Texans come to protect their legacy and prepare for the second half of life. Join your host, attorney Kim Hegwood with Hegwood Law Group and our weekly guest as we navigate the challenges that emerge as life happens. Now here's your host, Kim Hegwood. Good morning. Uh, Welcome to Life Happens. Today we have a special guest, Angela Cross with Compasses Hospice. Thank you, Angela, for joining us today. Good morning. And uh, so I always laugh and and I usually tell this to to most people. Um, uh, I had a very uh, incorrect understanding of what hospice was. Um, And I think uh, it was 2000 and probably around 2005 when I had my first experience with hospice when my grandmother was dying. And uh, and I was under the illusion that hospice was going to come in and take care of her. And uh, I was like, oh, I was sorely mistaken. And so so one of the things that I think, you know, even myself, you know, back in the day, um, it's really confusing for a lot of people. So would you do me a favor and just kind of walk through what hospice is? Because I think it's hugely important for Mm -hmm. our listeners today. Absolutely. So hospice is a service. It's not a place. Um, We serve people wherever home is. So that could be in a nursing center, it could be in an assisted living, it could be in a residential home, or it could be in the hospital if it's more of a critical situation. And so what hospice is primarily designed to do is provide comfort, safety, and quality of life. And so with comfort, what that means is whatever is comfortable for that individual that needs hospice services. If they have a prognosis, meaning they have been given a timeline for end of life, if they um, were told they have six months or less to live potentially, then hospice is the service that you want to you take on. So um, six months or less is kind of a hard thing to, to really know or understand. So we look at it from a, if this diagnosis, whether it's cardiac disease or uh, kidney disease or a lung disease, or you hear pulmonary with lungs as well, uh, if anything like that is going to continue its course and continue to affect their body in a negative way, then, and there's no treatment for it, then hospice would come in and help make sure that those symptoms from that disease are taken care of. So if you have any pain, any confusion, any nausea, and even seizures, things like that, we help make sure that those things are minimized so that you can have quality of life with your family. So what that means is we'll utilize medications or other therapies to make sure that you're not in pain so that however long you have left in your journey, we call life, um, that, you know, it's, it's comfortable and it's a good time. You know, we don't, we want a good experience. What we always say is, we want to offer a world-class experience because you only get to do this one time. And once that person passes away, we, you know, there's no do-over. So we want to make sure that the family has what they need and the patient has what they need. And we want to treat that patient like a person and not like their disease. So it's hugely important because, you know, for us, quality of life is, um, is paramount, you know, Mm -hmm. We want clients to have good quality of life. We want their end of life to be, you know, with dignity and, you know, mm-hmm. the easiest, you know, way that they can, you know, can leave this, you know, leave this earth. And so, but uh, COVID has really put a wrench in things, hasn't it? 
Yes, it has. And, uh, and so I know that, you know, we've seen a lot of differences with, you know, with COVID in the sense of people are not putting their loved ones in facilities, you know, because then they can't see them. Are you finding that has been the case um, in with your business? Yes, absolutely. So we were actually affected as hospice agencies um, across the board, not just us, but other agencies as well, um, where facilities were not letting us in to see our patient. And that was very hard for us to deal with because we're designed to see our people. <laughs> we want to know how they're doing. We need to see them from head to toe. We need to make sure that they have everything that they need or that extra support system. And they signed up for the benefit of hospice. So it was very hard for us to understand um, any facility administrator that would keep us out of the building. And so we had a lot of conversations with administrators and a lot of conversations with even local state representatives to make a change. Because if someone has signed that document to say, I elect the hospice benefit, meaning that I elect my Medicare benefit for hospice, then they have a right to that service. So if you're keeping us from that person, then you're keeping them from their right to hospice. And so it was, it was, it was a hard fight. And so we're, we're back in buildings now, but it was definitely one of those situations where I actually became very passionate and very pushy because I felt like we were violating our patients' rights by not being able to see them. And telehealth and hospice is not, it's not the same. It's, it's not, hospice is not telehealth. We can't just, you know, assume that something is, is being taken care of by a phone call. It's just not what we do. And so um, there was definitely, <laughs> definitely a lot of uh, hard conversations, crucial conversations, but they needed to happen. And we had several families that were very upset because we were the liaison for them. The family couldn't come in because there were no visitors, right? So hospice is the liaison for that family. So we would go in and we would do, you know, do a, like a FaceTime or a Zoom call or something like that with those families so that they can see their loved one. Because some of these people haven't seen their loved one since March of this year. So if you can only imagine what that's like being away from your grandmother, your mother, your father, whomever for how many months now? <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. We're in December. So what are we nine months into this nightmare? And so mm -hmm. we've got a lot of clients that hadn't been able to see their family members, you know, mm -hmm. and we've got a lot of family members that have passed away, not so much from COVID just because they can't handle the, the isolation, the, the loneliness, depression has been really high. Um, you know, it's just been, it's just been kind of horrifying because you know, that's the time of their life when they need people around them the most and to, you know, to isolate them makes it even more painful, you know, for them and the, you know, and the families. And so, um, but, you know, this disease has been, you know, one of those things where, you know, you could walk around and, and not even know you have it, which I think is frightening for, you know, for some. And so, you know, just getting tested, I think it helps, you know, to make sure that, you know, that you're good and, and things like that. And so, so how have y'all been able to help during this time? That's a great question. So one thing that we have been able to do is get people home. Um, 
So instead of being in a nursing center or being in assisted living or even a hospital setting, we've been able to get them home with their family where they have that time because you can't get that time back. Just like, you know, just like we talked about before, you only get one shot, right? And so if you you have some people that have not seen their loved ones for nine months, that's nine months of memories that have not been made, you know? So for me, I get really really passionate about that. <laughs> and so um, what I usually tell my families is, you know, let's let's look for a, a nursing center that's going to allow you to come in and see your loved one. If not, let's look at another option because we, you know, we want to make sure that not only is the quality of life appropriate for that patient, but also for the family. They need to have that time with their loved one so that when they grieve, it is an appropriate level of grief because the death of someone defines the grief. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. I think David Kessler said that. And so the death defines the grief. And what that means is if you have a good experience with someone passing, that most of the time your grief is going to be the normal stages of grief. You go through uh, anger and um, bargaining and all of those things until you get to the point where you find meaning but um, if someone goes through a bad experience, say it's traumatic or all of a sudden like a car accident or maybe even by suicide, things like that, that grief can drag on a little longer because you didn't have that time to really get that closure with your loved one. So if, if you think about these families that have been without visitation for eight or nine months, and then their loved one passes away because of what you were saying, the isolation, the neglect, the just the lack of socialization. They didn't get to even say goodbye. You know, you have family, you have people that go into the hospital that they're in a, you know, even ones that have COVID that they die in a hospital room with maybe a nurse holding their hand. Maybe, maybe that doesn't happen every time. And their family is sitting in the car in the parking lot. Yeah. So when you <clears throat> think about that, how hospice can help is hospice can get that person home. We actually are taking on COVID-19 patients and getting them home in a safe way. We're offering protective equipment to the family, making sure they understand the risk of, you know, they could possibly get the virus as well, making sure they understand infection control, how to keep their home clean, where to wipe down surfaces and, you know, how to how to manage that the best way that they can to try to avoid being exposed. Um, our team also, you know, comes in with full, per, you know, protective equipment to make sure that we keep our team safe. Um, but it definitely makes a difference. And then if they are in a, in a nursing center or a assisted living community or memory care or something like that, even personal care home, if we're going in and seeing them, we will do those video calls with the family. And then of course, we are more um, educated on and, and experts in identifying when someone is at the end of life. And we can kind of guess, you know, when it's the last seven days or so, and we can let the family know, hey, your loved one is starting to transition. Um, we call that the negotiation stage where they're negotiating between life and afterlife, right? And so they are you know, we'll show the signs and symptoms, what that looks like, why we think that. And then usually we can have a conversation with that community or that nursing center and say, hey, 
they're at the end. Can we please figure out a way to get their family in here to visit? And so most of the time now, um, more recently in the last couple of months than before, we've been able to have that conversation and get that time for them. So they're able to see their loved one before they pass. It's hugely important. And so I mean, we have to be able to, you know, to say, you know, say goodbye, tell them it's okay. You know, um, that you're going to be okay. Uh, a lot of times um, it, it seemed like with my grandmother, she kind of held on, held on until I told her not to worry that I was going to take care of Papa. Mm -hmm. you know, and so that seemed to make her feel better. Um, you know, so it just um, different things, I think, affect different people, you know, differently. But you know, losing someone you love is always hard. Um, losing them, you know, to, you know, not being able to see them and things like that, I think has been very traumatic on so many. Even our client families have had to go through this. So it's been very traumatic for them to have to do that. And so. So um, also you have some um, some good things as far as um, like advanced care planning that they can do. Um, during mm -hmm. COVID. And yes, absolutely. So uh, with advanced care planning, a lot of people hear that term and they don't actually know what that means. So, um, you know, in Texas, we have an in-hospital DNR or do not resuscitate and an out-of-hospital do not resuscitate. And so we have to make sure we have both of those. Uh, so that all avenues are covered, right? Um, but we also need to make sure that we have a good plan in place for end of life. And so that mean, what I mean by that is, do you have your will? Do you have life insurance set up? Does your family know your wishes? Do you know, you know whether you want to be put on a ventilator or not? Do you know what life-sustaining measures you want to keep? on, you know, on file. All of those things are very important, especially during COVID-19, because like you said, you could be walking around with the virus and not even know that you have it or someone else that you know, and they could give it to you and it could cause trauma to you or an end of life experience. And so it's very important at this time to make sure that you have your plan in place. And physicians are actually being, um, incentivized to have those conversations. So when anyone goes to see their primary care physician, it's really important to have that conversation um, and, you know, make sure that you know what is best for, you know, depending on what you have going on personally for your health. You know, everybody's journey is different. Everybody's story is different. So you have to make sure that you know exactly what you want and you don't want your family guessing um, when you aren't able to make those decisions. So make sure that you're power of attorney is set in place. And there's, there's more than just your medical power of attorney. You want to make sure you have your durable power of attorney, which covers all of your finances and your assets and things like that. Um, and there's even a mental health one as well. So you want to make sure that all of those things are discussed with your family, um, no matter what age you are, even at my age, and I'm in my thirties and I'm already having these discussions to make sure that, you know, we know exactly what our plan is. Um, because it's very hard when you don't. <laughs> yeah, we found some, uh, you know, we've run across, you know, clients, you know, not not our clients, because our clients all have very good plans in place. Um, but, you know, clients that have come in because they didn't have a plan in place and now their loved one is ill, you know. And so it makes it very traumatic because, you know, sometimes you're doing guardianship and things like that. It just costs the clients unnecessary money, um, you know, so we don't want them to do that. We want them to have some very good things in place. 
um, and having those good documents in place. Um, it's and I, we tell clients all the time, and I do it when I do workshops and things like that. There's a difference in documents from an elder law attorney versus any other type of attorney. You know, mm -hmm. our our documents are designed for you know that second half of life. They're designed for all the things that are going to occur during that time period. You know, and we want to make sure that your loved ones can do all the things they need to do. And so you're right, advanced care planning. You know, and we start our families off at 18, doing those power returnings for those college kids, you know, heading to college, getting them thinking about, you know, we need those documents in place. Let's have some of these. We're going to work our way up. Um, you know, it was very easy for my kids because I just was like, OK, what do you want? Because your documents are getting done. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, it was just something that, you know, now we just do. You know, So but um, let's talk about some uh, let's kind of switch gears just a little bit and let's talk about um, the things that are really important you know like comfort and safety and you know in quality of life during this time period absolutely so you know comfort is different for every person you know what makes me comfortable is different than what makes you comfortable and so we want to make sure that you know from a hospice perspective Comfort is very important to us. That's what that's our goal. That's our our expertise. That's what we want to do. But even life in general, we need to make sure that we're in our comfort zone, right? And we have all been pulled out of our comfort zone with COVID nineteen. You know, whether it's fear or we don't know where to, whether to wear the mask or not wear the mask, or political things that have happened. A lot is going on in the world, right? And so it's very important to make sure that we identify our comfort zone and how we can get to that um, even during a pandemic, you know, whether it's finding um, comfort in making sure that you're healthy, getting tested, things like that, or making sure that your home is set up for you to work from home so that you can be comfortable. Um, you know, making sure that you're having those conversations with your family that are important to make sure you have peace of mind um, just like advanced care planning or whether to use hospice or not or home health or anything that could be going on health wise. You want to make sure that you're having those conversations um, safety wise. You want to make sure that you are being safe. You know, um, if you can avoid going to big gatherings or, um, you know, restaurants or things like that, or make sure that you have your hand sanitizer handy in your car or in your purse or in your pocket um, so that you're always using good hygiene and being safe, you know, because it's not just COVID-19. It could be the flu. It could be anything, you know, that, you know, if we're not, if we don't have good hygiene, we we're risking a lot of things. And so making sure that we're um, eating healthy, you know, protecting ourselves, taking our vitamins, all of those things. And then quality of life, I, this is this is probably the most important thing for me. Um, uh, it, it's so important to make sure that we are identifying and understanding who we are. Um, who you are is not your disease. Who I am is not what health ailment I have going on right now. You know, who we are is what we do every day, what we're passionate about, what makes us happy, what brings us joy, peace, all of those things. That is what quality of life is about. You mentioned dignity earlier. Dignity is important. Um, so we have to, even through this pandemic, we have to identify what makes us happy and avoid try to avoid some of those things that are causing isolation, depression, neglect, all of those things that we're seeing um, as part of this pandemic. 
it is okay to get outside and take a breath of fresh air. It's okay to go on a hike or walk your dog, you know, whatever that looks like. And then what we always tell families when their loved one is on hospice, it's okay to ask for uh, respite care where you can go take a break for five days. You know, it's okay to let someone else watch your loved one while you go to the grocery store or just go, you know, get your hair cut, whatever, whatever that looks like, you know, to make sure that you're, you're fulfilling yourself. Because if your cup is empty, you can't, you can't, you have nothing to give when your cup is empty. So you want to make sure that you're finding those things that, that mean, you know, that have meaning for you. Um, and if you do lose a loved one during this time, finding meaning after is very, very important. I'm going to share with you a book that I've read that is um, wonderful. It's, it's by David Kessler. He actually did a lot of work with um, Elizabeth Kugler-Ross, who was the inventor for hospice in the United States. And so um, he wrote a book called Finding Meaning, and it is about, it actually separates it um, based on how someone may have passed away and how you can find meaning afterwards. So for example, um, someone who may have died of breast cancer their, their family may start a walk or they may become passionate about research or something like that. And so it's finding meaning after that person passes is super important so that you yourself can, you know, continue to have quality of life. Yeah, most definitely. And so, you know, so Angela, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show. And so it's so important for, for people to understand, you know, what you do and how important it is, um, you know, to help their loved ones, you know, as they transition from this life to the next. And so, so I thank you so much for being on and hopefully we'll see you again and uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Life Happens with Kim Hegwood. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. wherever you listen to your podcasts as we navigate through the challenges that emerge as life happens. The content of this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship or constitute attorney-client privilege, legal, medical, financial, or any other professional advice.